This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time, 12.03. It's great to have you with us for the Monday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Preview of the Big Apple event this week. And at 12.49, it is Stock Picker Monday. Right now, the week ahead will include more discussion and negotiation of the president's infrastructure plan. There are also some inflation concerns. Let's talk about it with Andrew Bush, former chief markets intelligence officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. He's an economist found online at andrewbush.com. Andy, let's begin with inflation. You've had the Fed say they're not very concerned about inflation as we kind of get this economy restarted. Uh, Is it a concern, though, especially when it comes to people's investments? Yeah, it has to be at this point because it is starting to go up significantly. Um, The CPI was at 2.6% last month, and we know it's going to continue to accelerate year over year because of the comparisons between last year when we shut down the economy and this year. But my goodness, we're growing rapidly this quarter, and we also have just tremendous amount of stimulus working its way through the system. So the fears are that if if a new infrastructure bill was passed, Cisco, that that would add to it. It, It's just literally gasoline on a really great, great economy right now that's probably not needed in the size that they're talking about. Now, there's a lot of people who would say, well, why why is that bad? You know, the economy's doing well. It's coming back to life. We want to give it a little bit more juice. Maybe it'll get even better. Talk about specifically, well, let's go with investments. Specifically with investments, why is inflation a negative thing for people who have their money invested? Well, it tremendously hurts the people who have invested in bonds, doesn't it? Because that weakens uh, the return that you get, Because you, especially with a set return coming from a fixed income security, it, you're just getting paid back in weaker and weaker dollars, essentially, with inflation. It also skews investment for businesses as well. And it hurts capital expenditures to some extent. You may have people pulling back a bit on doing those because they don't know the potential outcome of, of what the payoff will be. So it hurts the uh, investment outlook overall. And, and that it just creates a lot of uncertainties. And then you throw on top of that, of course, what the Federal Reserve would do in raising interest rates. So let's talk about the infrastructure bill. Uh, We we touched on this earlier. Uh, What do you expect to happen here? You, You have Republicans who are at least signaling that maybe there is a middle ground. Yeah, we had uh, Texas Senator uh, Cornyn come out and say, hey, there's a group of us that think $800 billion is doable uh, for an infrastructure bill, but that it is focused on the infrastructure, you know, roads, bridges and things like that. And where the rubber meets the road for them, uh, to use that phrase, um, is between the Biden $2.3 trillion, which includes things like $400 billion for health care, 
and um, it's something similar, $600 billion for uh, climate change. That's not really part of an infrastructure bill, according to the Republicans. So there's some room for compromise here. But again, just everybody remember that this is, you know, the, the Democrats can pass a lot of this without the Republicans. They would like to have the Republicans on board as much as they can for that first infrastructure deal. And then maybe they'll come forward with another deal uh, for uh, that they can use under reconciliation to pass it. So even though, you know, there's some, you know, thawing of the ice here between the two parties, there may still be a chance to pass a broader bill uh, later on this year. Thanks so much, Andrew Bush. You can find him online at andrewbush.com. United Airlines says it's going to begin flights to three never-before-served destinations in Europe starting this summer. Let's get the where and why. Joe Schwederman is here, professor of public services, director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University. Joe, where is is United Airlines going to begin flying? Yeah, this really is kind of a feel-good story to start the week, that there's some momentum to return uh, flights to Europe. And, and they're serving three kind of leisure destinations, Newark to Dubrovnik you know, in Croatia, right along the Mediterranean coast, which is a hot tourism market. Washington to Athens, you know, Greece is uh, also warm weather. And from Chicago here, they're adding Chicago to Iceland. And uh, they're going to run three days a week. Uh, those countries are opening up a bit with uh, vaccination uh accepting passengers who've been vaccinated. So it's really a, quite a bit of momentum here. And when it comes to actually going there, I mean, United's saying people want to go here. It's not like they're going to start these routes and then have to be advertising to try to get people to go there. People actually want to visit. That's exactly right. And these are, uh, I think, three routes where the countries have actually said that, you know, we're, we're accepting passengers, just proof of vaccine required. And just in the last week, there's been uh, more sense that Europe is we're going to hear more of this. There's some talk that France might open up you know, but these flights are going to start uh, in July, so they're not starting uh, right away. And uh, uh, they're going to use uh, somewhat smaller airplanes, a 757 from Chicago, for example. But nonetheless, it's a nonstop service to Europe, and we haven't seen uh, airlines put their toe in the water like this uh, for quite some time. I'm wondering if the success of this, you know, because that's tourism dollars that are going to go to these countries, if that's going to make some of the other European countries think, hey, uh, maybe we need to ease up here. Maybe we need to open access a little more. Well, you do look at the, the places they're flying, particularly Dubrovnik and Croatia and Athens and Greece, and, and, and those economies just can't uh, sustain themselves without robust tourism, and they're feeling it, and uh, there's a lot of pressure to uh, make things happen. So uh, we're going to see this throughout Europe. You know, spring grape trips next year are definitely on the bubble. There's some talk in May that you may make an announcement about opening up a bit, uh, and we just heard, of course, France uh, may even go first. Let's talk about safety on a long flight like this, because some of those seem like, man, they got to be about seven-hour flights. Uh, what, what's that like as far as making sure that people do stay safe there? Well, there is, of course, the vaccination requirement, but uh, that, uh, uh, you know, at the destinations. But we're also seeing, interesting enough, they're doing a little bit of a lower configuration seating. They're putting more Economy Plus seats uh, over the water, more uh, Polaris class, which is the, you know, the business class, and more premium. So they aren't going to you know, run these things at, you know, maximum capacity, they're going to uh, spread things out. And I think people want that. I mean, they're probably willing to pay a little extra for that extra leg room and a feeling of just have a little more separation. Thanks so much. That's Joe Schwederman, professor of public services, director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul United Airlines, opening up three new routes in Europe this summer. Up next, another ride on the cryptocurrency roller coaster. You can even do it on the weekend now. Also, 1249, it is Stock Picker Monday. (laughs) 
compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Bitcoin and the entire crypto space is looking for a rebound following a major weekend sell-off. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus business line, Jeff Kilberg, CEO of KKM Financial here in Chicago. Uh, Jeff, before we talk about what's going on with this sell-off, just talk about the different trading dynamic that you have here with cryptocurrency. Ordinarily, markets close Friday. You don't have to think about it again until Monday. You know, that's right, Cisco. Traditional finance, trading stocks and bonds. We close the market on Friday and away we go. But with cryptocurrency, it's open 24-7. So we saw a really turbulent weekend. And this was in the wake of some rumors coming out that maybe Turkey, the country, would be banning Bitcoin as a payment methodology and also further scrutiny from the government here in the United States. So that really caused a spastic, kind of a flash crash, if you will. We saw a 15% drop in the price of Bitcoin in under about an hour on Saturday night. So it is a completely different world of cryptocurrency. So if you are involved in cryptocurrency, you really have to be glued 24-7, very different than traditional finance. Yeah, it's almost like if you're investing in a, a foreign market exchange where something big can happen at 3 o'clock in the morning. That's what can happen with cryptocurrencies. And that's right. And that's the vulnerability, but that's the volatility. We've talked a lot, Cisco, about this volatility, which is inherent to cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin. And last week was an enormous week. We saw the IPO. There was actually a direct listing for Coinbase. I think there's just a lot of anticipation. So kind of a one-two punch. You saw all the cryptocurrencies from Dogecoin to Ether. High tide lifted all boats because people were so excited about Coinbase. And Coinbase is the first cryptocurrency exchange. So if you're not familiar with Coinbase, just think of the New York Stock Exchange or the CME Group. That's what Coinbase is. It allows you to buy and sell about 90 different cryptocurrencies. So that lead up really moved the price of Bitcoin up to about $65,000. A lot of enthusiasm. Remember the enthusiasm, Cisco. This is critical to understand. We're in an intersection. And that enthusiasm intersection really brings the retail investor in with the institutional investor. And as we have this global adoption, you're going to see more and more volatility. But this is all positive and, I believe, longer-term bullish for cryptocurrencies. Yeah, and that was actually – I'm glad you said that because that was actually uh, my final question here was uh, the, if it's all dependent upon this sort of exuberance, then in the long run, you know, is it maybe a riskier investment than we'd thought? Well, I think it is. And we're in the first couple of innings of cryptocurrencies. When you look at the actual market cap movement in some of these names, Dogecoin is now the fifth largest market cap. So that's valued in, in totality about $51 billion. That's ahead of Litecoin, ahead of Polkadot. So I think you have to really gauge and understand your exposure. But yeah, you're absolutely right. You're getting so many people to jump into the pool so quickly. Maybe it's a little too fast, Cisco. So there is going to be additional volatility. So all these moves, like we saw Saturday night, where we saw 15% pullback in Bitcoin under 30 minutes, that is going to be amplified. That's going to be exaggerated. But that exaggeration will provide opportunity to diversify your exposure inside of cryptocurrency. So buckle that chin strap. Get ready for some more volatility, Cisco. But I think bigger picture as we move forward in 2021, cryptocurrencies are going to gather more, more energy and more assets. Thanks so much, Jeff Kilberg, CEO of KKM Financial. Still ahead, Apple set to unveil its latest products at an event tomorrow and Stock Picker Monday at 1249. This is Chicago's all-news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM.
The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cisco Cotto. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Closing arguments are being presented at the Derek Chauvin murder trial in Minneapolis. A special report from CBS News is next. Apple will hold its first product launch event of the year in California tomorrow. We'll get a preview. It's Stock Picker Monday at 1249. We'll get a couple of suggestions from an investing pro. Wall Street, the Dow down 167 points. The NASDAQ is now down 169, and the S&P is down 27 points. Oil is up right about a third of a percent. We have clouds and some rain in Chicagoland, a few pockets of sunshine as well. Right now, 47 degrees at O'Hare. It is 48 degrees downtown. CBS News Special Report. During closing arguments this hour, defense attorney Eric Nelson reminded the jurors that Derek Chauvin is entitled to the presumption of innocence in the death of George Floyd. I submit to you that the state has failed to meet its burden of proof beyond a reasonable doubt. But says prosecutor Steve Schleichter. George Floyd begged until he could speak no more, and the defendant continued this assault. When he was unable to speak, the defendant continued. When he was unable to breathe, the defendant continued beyond the point that he had a pulse. CBS's Skylar Henry is at the courthouse and says the city of Minneapolis is bracing for the verdict. National Guard troops are deployed throughout Minneapolis, working alongside state and city police officers. And the governor has requested more law enforcement from neighboring states. Once closing arguments are done this afternoon, the case will be handed over to the jury to deliberate. CBS News special report. I'm Matt Piper. A reminder, Odyssey is your new home for all the audio that matters to you. Download the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, to listen to WBBM anytime. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Markets struggling a little bit on this Monday. The Dow down 174. The NASDAQ is down 169. And the S&P is down 27. Let's see what's going on. Paul Nolte is here. He is Portfolio Manager at Kingsview Asset Management here in Chicago. Paul, what do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? I think it's just really a little bit of a break from uh, the persistent rise that we've had over the last three, four weeks. The market's up 7 8%, so it's actually put in a pretty good year within uh, the last month or so. I think we're just taking a little bit of a break here. I'm not reading much into the, the particular movement today, but it is interesting that we're seeing better performance from the sectors that would benefit from an economic opening. Uh, so a lot more away from technology and more in financial and industrial type parts of the market. So when it comes to all the money that's been flooding in because of stimulus payments, you know, there's this expectation that, that you know, a lot of the money that's been coming in has been from that. Uh, what do you think that's done to values? And is there any kind of a risk if some of that money starts coming out of the market? Oh, there's a big risk that it's going to come out at some point. It's just a matter of, you know, the, the trillion-dollar question is when that point is. And we're seeing a little bit of that maybe in the crypto area because uh, Bitcoin down about 10% or so today. But valuations are very high. Our projections over the next five years for rates of return on the S&P 500 are in the low, mid-single-digit returns because of the starting point that we're at today. We don't think the economy is going to grow persistently at 6% plus. We're going to get that pop this year. And then we're probably going to get back down to the to 2 to 3% that we've been kind of used to now for the last couple of decades. 
but the markets have anticipated a lot. So if there's any hiccups along the way, uh, any issues that we might have with uh, vaccine, economic openings in various states, et cetera, we could see the markets take a little bit more of a step back. At this point, probably not much more than 3 to 5%. So how should someone invest then, given what you're saying here, that it seems like we're just not going to get the same kind of returns that, that maybe we'd like? No, that's true. And, you know, when we take a look even, uh, you know, so far this year, the markets are up double digits already this year. Um, it makes sense to rebalance portfolios, take a little bit of money off of the uh, the parts of the market that have done very well and, and reallocate it to the parts that haven't done as well. And that would be fixed income. You know, even though the rates of return on fixed income are, are very low at this point, um, they should provide positive rates of return uh, and provide a cushion as the equity markets bounce around. So it makes sense to, instead of pressing your bet and maintaining, uh, allowing the allocation to get overweighted toward equities, take some of that money off the table and, and put it over on the bond side of the portfolio. And when it comes to sectors, you know, which ones do you think have maybe been particularly run up with all this new money? I think a lot of it still is in the technology sector. I mean, you're looking at, at stocks, uh, the big five, if you will, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, et cetera, that continue to do extremely well. Uh, when we look at the valuations of those companies, they're among the most richly valued in many of their own uh, histories. And this even goes back to uh, 2000. So that sector, I think, is is one that I think is ripe for underperformance, if not uh, a decline, as, again, the betting is that the economies will reopen and we're not going to be as reliant on technology. We're going to be reliant more on face-to-face and, and doing things in a more personal way than we've done over the last year. Are the, if, if there may be a pullback or at least sluggish returns, is this a time to maybe put a little money into some of those income stocks, the dividend stocks, where uh, you know, as long as that business is doing okay, you're at least going to get something back? Oh, sure. And that's, and that's where I think the reopening trade is, is in those dividend stocks. So if you look at some of the consumer staples, you look at financials, you look at some of the industrials, basic materials, even energy stocks, a lot of those companies have 2 3 4% in the way of dividend income that allow you to, to wait a little bit. And I think a lot of those companies are also poised to do reasonably well as the economy is open because they've gotten hurt so badly over the last year. Um, and they're now starting to, to make a comeback. But many of those are still reasonably priced today. Thanks for all the analysis, Paul Nolte, Portfolio Manager at Kingsview Asset Management here in Chicago. Just ahead, a look at new offerings from Apple ahead of tomorrow's big event. Money Talks as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Apple will reveal its latest products and updates at a launch event tomorrow. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Shelly Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group, host of the Strategy Hacker live stream at ShellyPalmer.com slash live. Shelly, uh, what do we know so far about what Apple's going to talk about tomorrow? You know, Cisco, rumor, rumor, rumor. Other than rumor, we know you're about to you're about to be arrested. We know that apparently. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> living in New York City, it's crazy. It's, it's, and by the way, I'm on the 19th floor with the windows closed, so you can imagine how many police are outside right now. Pretty loud, yeah. Yeah, I'm assuming they're coming for me. Look, we think <laughs> here's what we here's what we think is going to happen. I think tomorrow we're going to get some refreshed iPad Pros. Um, that's not a big secret. Maybe Thunderbolt support. We don't know. They're supposed to have mini LED screens. 
there's a rumor that there's going to be like a mini or mini iPad, you know, iPad mini six out there. I don't know if it's true or not, but if so, the pretty decent rumor says there'll be a slightly larger screen. So the mini will be a bigger mini um, and, and possibly there'll be a pro version of the iPad mini, which would be interesting. It's a good size form factor. So the big wild card, to be fair for tomorrow, is are we going to see uh, a total iMac design overhaul? We're thinking that that's going to happen. Uh, there'll be some like little mini stuff, like possibly, possibly we'll see a MagSafe battery pack for the new iPhone, which, by the way, the battery life is so awful. I hope they do. Um, <laughs> it's just, just a pet peeve of mine. Uh, we may find out the launch date for iOS 14.5. That's a big day for advertisers, and that's also a big day in the fist fight between Apple and Facebook because when 14.5 comes out, it's very likely that their new privacy policy is going to hit, and that is going to cause ripples through in the force that will be felt gal- galactically. Are, are these, you're right, because that's that's how Facebook makes its money, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is going to be very interesting in that Apple – has been hiding behind the privacy game. Um, And interestingly, they have not been selling advertising. And the in-app advertising that Epic Games and Apple are fighting over and the fees, that's really not a privacy issue. Here, what they're trying to do literally is just rein in everybody's ability to use their platform but their own. And it feels like just two giants yelling at each other, Facebook and Apple. But at the end of the day, third-party the ability for third parties to get data in and out of Facebook, it's kind of important. And in and out of apps, it's kind of important. Facebook needs it. Other people need it. Apple's going to just say no. So let's find out how that all that all, all that plays out. The hardware tomorrow, look for some Thunderbolt support in your iPad Pros. Look for maybe a new iPad Mini, Apple AirTags possibly, maybe a new iMac, maybe, maybe, uh, possibly new Apple TV. There's supposed to be a new Apple Pencil, third generation. That could happen. So there's some stuff, and a really low-cost iPad is rumored also. But again, Cisco, all rumors still tomorrow, but you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and believe me, we'll be playing this back tomorrow for sure, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> tell me, uh, these Apple events, I, I don't even know how to ask this, are they as exciting as they used to be, or have we gotten to the point where we're just sort of spoiled by new devices and refreshes and redesigns, just, just not as jazzing as they used to be? So as a, from a business perspective, this is iteration, not innovation, if you look at it that way. I would argue that while they may not have the level of excitement they used to, what's really important to understand is that incremental iteration, the way Apple does it, is innovation. They are miniaturizing. They are rebuilding. They are the, the insides of these tools are becoming more and more and more sophisticated. And every iteration is another step towards what we're really going to do, which is lose our handsets and our tablets and our computers in a, somewhere between now and a decade from now and go to some kind of heads-up display in some kind of augmented reality pair of glasses. That's what's coming next. So everything gets you a step closer to that. And so I look at this as just iterative, um, not just iterative, but innovation in the form of iteration. That's my take on it. Yeah, it's less exciting for sure, but not to me. <laughs> yeah, no, awesome. yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, you know, it really is. It's, there's just there is always uh, some excitement around it. Thank you so much, Shelley Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group. Join us at this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday. Still to come, our Monday stock picker. Information to make cash and save cash. 
The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Stock Picker Monday on the Noon Business Hour, sponsored by Wealth Management Group. Tim Grisky is joining us, Chief Investment Strategist at Inverness Council. Tim, it's good to have you back on the show. What's your first pick today? Hi, Cisco. Uh, well, we have uh, two very well-known brand names today, Apple and Facebook. I think I'll start here with Apple. Uh, obviously, a stock everybody knows, gigantic company, um, largest in the U.S. Uh, they uh, will report earnings uh, next week, middle of next week, on the 28th. Uh, the iPhone unit growth is really what matters here. Uh, and you've got a, a billion uh, unit installed base, uh, probably at most a five-year average life per phone. Uh, that is a regular replacement um, cycle for them. And uh, the, the skew is uh, to higher prices uh, at Apple. People are willing to pay up for this product. The other big factor here is the services growth, which is huge. That's the App Store, Apple Music. Um, I, I, the, the earphones, iBud, earbuds, uh, all of this is a very high margin business for Apple. Uh, very, very strong margins here, uh, and a very strong mix. Uh, and we think the numbers, the earnings estimates are simply too low. Yeah, the services business. Uh, talk about how important that is to Apple because they, they're moving beyond being just the products, just the devices, which is something that was important for them for growth. Yes. So uh, it really has changed the company and how it's looked at. Historically, Apple sold at a discount to the overall stock market uh, because it was just that products uh, business. And it was always, what's the next new thing that's going to come along? Now, with services being such a big part of this company, uh, you know, it'll, it's growing towards, it's not quite, it's about at 40% uh, you know, of, uh, of earnings currently. Uh, the valuation is at a slight premium, but only a slight premium. But it has changed the view of this market. It provides consistency uh, to it, uh, and it makes it less reliant on finding that new, new thing. Of course, everybody's always wondering what that new, new thing it will be at Apple. All right, so Apple's the first pick. What's your second pick? The second is Facebook, obviously another very well-known brand, uh, the social networking platform. Uh, various uh, ways to interface with that. Facebook itself, Instagram, Messenger, WhatsApp, they are building out uh, this, um, their offerings within each of those platforms, adding in basically shopping uh, um, ability. And uh, that is really how they're going to increase the money they make off these platforms. Historically, it was just on advertising. Now they're getting a piece of the actual sales that occur. Um, this company has a strong free cash flow. In other words, the cash that they generate every year, uh, we think they could buy over the next five years about a third of their shares back. Uh, that's an automatic increase uh, for any holder of the stock as they buy back those shares. So they're doing you know, really the right things here to make this company better. The, there are issues out there, uh, primarily, you know, from our, our government in terms of regulation, uh, data privacy uh, risks. Uh, we think those are all going to be a lot less onerous on Facebook than the market believes. 
So we think it's also uh, going to have very strong earnings when it reports in about a week and a couple of days here as well. Thanks so much, Tim Grisky. Two picks, Apple and Facebook. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.